Thank you, Ruthann. Thank you, Anita. I trust that the message of that song is the experience of your life in a growing manner. JT, do me a favor. Come up and grab these. Anyone want notes that didn't get them? Ruthann copied a couple more. If you want a set of notes, wave your hand. If not, notes of what we'll be using tonight. We've been discussing for several months the topic of in Christ, you can't live the Christian life or freedom in Christ. And depends on what direction you want to take it. But a question, is Alfred free? Alfred is sitting at his computer after his family has gone to bed. A website comes up that has some tempting images. In his spirit, he thinks it is not what he desires. He wants his joy sexually to be experienced with his wife. Before he clicks to move on, temptation hits hard to linger a moment too long. Then this thought crosses his mind. Christ is my life. He clicks and moves on by shutting down the computer and reflects on God's mercy. Is Alfred free? Ruth Ann Mouse, yes. Any other response? See? Couple of heads going, yes. Again, the issue is not temptation. It's how we respond to the temptation. A couple other thought questions, looking for some response. Are these statements true or false? And it's number three in your notes there, under are these true or false? There are no free rides. That's true. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Any other response? Somebody always pays the price. I thought grace was free. Okay, not to the person that gives grace out. Christ died. We talk about the grace of God. Costly. If you stop and ponder that. Quick, fast, is vital for living. That's why we need up-to-date phones and technology. No. Foss? And I'm in no way reflecting on up-to-date phones and technology. I'd be more interested in the quick, fast, is vital for living. So you would say Foss. Third one, celebrities know best. Celebrities know best. In their own lives. In their own lives. I get response on that right away. You know, you can just kind of grin like you, sh- you should know better. Okay, another thought question. What are some lies promoted by the Christian culture in our country that deeply influence the way we live and respond. 
You can live a problem-free life if you accept Christ as your Savior. Christ seems to go a little bit different direction with that one. Any others? Brenda? Got to be good to be a Christian. Okay. Others? Karen? Go ahead, Karen. There's levels of sin. Okay. Prosperity gospel? God will bless you if you... Do right, and there's a guy I, I read in his, he had a little publication, and he made this statement, and I about flipped because I knew the guy. He said, if you send me $100, I guarantee that you'll get 1000 from God. He made that as a bold statement, and that ties in with, you know, the whole idea of prosperity gospel. Any others? Pardon? Okay, a certain program will fix the church. Any others? Zach? Big churches are better churches. Big churches are better the bottom of the first page, there are various lies which deeply impact our being free in Christ. They dominate our thinking, suck us into a deep pit of slavery. Most of the lies we discuss are present and promoted by unbelievers, as well as the Christian culture. They present themselves as different plants, but have the same root system. So I want to touch on one or two tonight, see how time allows. And the first one, and I'm calling this a lie that deeply influences how we live the Christian life. Get it now, immediately. Get it now, immediately. It's fast, it's quick, it's easy. That is, dominates our culture, you know, very, very strongly. So you get tired of waiting in line at Walmart, you go to self-checkout, and you gotta get through there quick. At the click of, you know, on the computer, you can get all kinds of information, and information in and of itself is not wrong. But we're bombarded with get it now, immediately. So some of the results of that, we demand, or there's a demanding, we can become demanding, and we just want it now. We're unwilling to wait on God's time. Hurry up, God. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it yesterday. Debt. Our country is in debt because we want things now. Many people in our country are in debt because they want it now. So when Ruth and I get married, we had a donated table and chairs a donated bedroom set, a donated little love seat, and a desk that I bought for a few bucks somewhere. And that's how we started our marriage. I could look at what mom and dad had and think, why can't we have that now? I guess we could have had it if we wanted to go into debt. But debt, and I think also shallow character, 
quick, easy, I want it now, results in some shallow character. And some of you and your responses earlier implied, you know, some of the beliefs that will be present in the Christian community. No, it can be had now. I find it interesting that, uh, you know, and things I've seen advertised in the Christian community, if you attend this seminar, we guarantee there will be a total radical transformation in your life in two days. I'm not saying there can't be change, but it's almost like it's a total radical, you know, everything is new. I love books, and over and over again, I see books advertised, must read. I'm going to wonder why I have to read this one. And it may have good stuff, but, you know, the idea, again, is must. Let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And again, I'm not saying all things that are quick and immediate and so on are wrong, just the whole mentality can really influence our walk with God. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed, contented if you please, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed, contented, slow to use the word happy because of how we define happy today. Contented is the man. And notice the progression who does not walk or stand or sit. There's a progression from walking to standing and then sitting. There's another progression, counsel of the wicked to the way of sinners, to the seat of mockers. Counsel, so you ask someone for counsel, what do you think I should do? That stands in distinction to the way. That's kind of a life style, and then the seat. You know, I'm here. I go in, I sit down. I'm pretty stable here. And then there's also the progression from wicked to sinners to mockers. We won't do it tonight, but it's very interesting to study in the book of Psalms and Proverbs what is said about wicked sinners and mockers. There's a progression away from God. So he says, blessed, contented is the man who does not. And notice in verse 2, but. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. As we read the Old Testament, be careful that we don't always take the Old Testament and try to spill it over into the New. When he says, but, there's a contrast the person who is not following the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seed of the mockers, but his delight, his desire is in the law of the Lord. And keep in mind, the law of the Lord was probably limited to the Mosaic law and its related commands, the Ten Commandments and so on. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Today, we not only have the law of the Lord, we have the rest of the Old Testament, we have the Gospels, we have the Epistles, we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. But his delight, the contrast, is in the law of the Lord. And notice, 
and on his law he meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. Meditates is an interesting word. The idea involves thinking, pondering, dwelling on something for a long time. So we take something in. We take the law of the Lord in. We take the Ten Commandments. We take the related commands in. We hear them. We understand them. Or we're going beyond the law of the Lord. We take in about Christ. We take in some of the epistles. And then later on, we are driving down the road and we're thinking about Scripture. We're on the job and we're doing some mundane stuff that doesn't require a tremendous amount of thought. And we think about Christ. Think about a passage of Scripture that was discussed. We just are mulling it over. Meditation can be illustrated by cows. They eat, and the lazy things go and lay down. And then after a while, you see them sitting there, you know, chewing the cud. What have they done? They have regurgitated what they have eaten. That sounds terrible. What if they chew on it? That's the idea of meditates. Take something in. You regurgitate it, if you please, you know, bring it to mind. And dwell on it. Think about it. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. See, meditates is not quick, it's not easy, it's not immediate. He meditates on it day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. David wrote some of the Psalms, not nearly all the Psalms, but can you picture David on the backside of nowhere with his flock of sheep all by himself, all alone? No, he has to lead the sheep to green pastures, to still waters, and so on. He has to protect from the animals at night, the predators. But what do you do 24 hours a day for seven days a week, weeks on end? As you read the Psalms, it seems like David did a lot of thinking, a lot of meditating. He didn't pull out his iPad. Didn't pull out his phone and say, well, I'll get this information. And I'm not knocking those items. I did a lot of meditating. And again, the Psalms come through with that. Is that related to some of the things that you see in David's life? David was not the best guy in the world, but he had a sensitive heart. When Nathan confronted him, he responded. There was confession and so on. <clears throat> Meditation, like a tree planted by streams of water. 
sufficient for the tree to grow. But a tree takes time to grow. It yields its fruit in season. We're talking long term, season after season. When the fruit should be there, it is there. And his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. It would appear as though the psalmist got away from the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seed of mockers, just delighted in the law of the Lord and meditated on the law of the Lord. And the result was like a tree yielding fruit. Leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. In verse 4, not so the wicked. Now here's the contrast. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. In Bible times, the wheat would be harvested. It would be trampled on, and then the wheat would be thrown up into the air along with the chaff on a windy day, and the chaff would be blown away, and the wheat would fall. And he says, the wicked or like the chaff that the wind blows away. They will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Why? Because they're chaff. In verse 6, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As you ponder Psalm 1, you see a very strong contrast of stability and instability. The righteous being stable, the wicked not being stable. The righteous standing, the wicked perishing. And it goes back to the delight in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. We won't turn there, but if you were to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that those that are held up in Hebrews 11 as people of faith didn't receive the things promised, but they died honoring God. If they were looking for the quick, the immediate, the easy, they would have given up a long time before. Stop and think about the prosperity gospel. You get disillusioned pretty quickly by the prosperity gospel because things don't go well or maybe you're not healed as quick as you thought. So as we think about applying it to freedom, that should be steady, just steady, consistent in the ordinary. Just consistent in the ordinary. Not looking for the big and the flashy, just consistent in the ordinary. 
man that had a very, very profound impact in my life was one who was just consistent in the ordinary. My father was not a flashy man. He didn't go after the flashy unless it was some farm equipment, then he might want that, you know, something quick and easier. But uh, even then, he wasn't always real quick. But to my knowledge, the last few years of his life probably changed some because of physical problems he had. He was consistent in reading Scripture. He was consistent in prayer. Just the ordinary items. Just consistent. Just day by day, week by week. Just consistent. Applied to freedom. As you think about get it now, immediate, Scripture would seem to imply discipline. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Meditates day and night, that's a controlled mind, that's a disciplined mind. Not going down the road of counsel the wicked or the way of sinners or the seed of the mockers, but a disciplined mind that is going down a good path. And also recognizes that I'm an alien. <clears throat> The world now immediate. But for the believer, I'm an alien. I'm not home. This isn't my home. I'm passing through. God's plan, as you study Scripture, seems to always involve plan. I'm sorry, involve time. The slow, the steady, not demanding the immediate. Character development takes time. Character development takes time. There's no quick character development. It takes time. The slow, the steady, meditating, walking with God, dwelling on Christ, looking at it from our time perspective today. It just takes time. Being faithful. Not demanding the immediate. Sometimes in life, we come across something that is difficult. Let's take parenting first. We come across a difficult situation with parenting. And we as parents want our child to be responsive and, you know, really get straightened out quickly. And we say, God. And God seems to be silent, as was implied in what was shared this morning from Psalm chapter 13. God, what's going on here, God? (coughs) And I think many times God says, 
I want to do a work in your heart. You want the fix. I want the change. In a physical trial, we'll go to the doctor and we say, doctor, fix me. And we probably wouldn't go back to the doctor for the doctor said, now, before we get around to my fixing you, I have a question for you. If I can't fix you, are you willing to accept what you're going through as maybe a lifelong thing and allow God to change your character? We'd probably go stumping out of the office and slam the door and stupid doctor. But see, that ties in with the quick, easy. And I'm not opposed to going to doctors. Don't get me wrong. You can do something physically. Do it. But God wants to go beyond the quick, the easy. So a person goes through a financial difficulty. Say, God, you know, I, I gotta, this has got to be fixed immediately. And God doesn't seem to respond, so we go into debt, and we go into more debt. And God says, if you would have waited a little, I would have taken care of you. The whole idea of get it now, the immediately, deeply, deeply impacts freedom in Christ. Take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The overall thrust of Hebrews seems to be true faith perseveres. The overall thrust of Hebrews also ties in with Christ is better than Moses, Christ is better than Aaron, Christ is better than the prophets, and so on. Hebrews, and this is after 10 chapters of very strong words on Christ and how great he is. 11 and verse 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Think about that. Hoping, expecting something, and certain of what you don't see. But remember, this is stated after 10 chapters of Christ. So if you're following Christ, if God gave Christ, he gave his own son, Christ descended to this earth and took upon himself human form, and he did all of that, and he died, why can we not exercise faith in that kind of God? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what was Seen was not made out of what was visible. How do we know the universe was created? By faith. 
you say there's evidence. I'm not debating whether there's evidence or not. But we know the universe was formed by faith. We take that by faith. God was there. He said, I did it. You say there's evidence. Yes, there may be evidence, but it's still an issue of faith. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he is still commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. See, faith is willing to give up the demand for the now, the immediate, to take God at his word for the long term. God's plan seems to always involve time. A lifestyle of walking with God. Ups and downs. Look at David's life. He had ups and downs. Look at the life of Abraham. He had ups and downs. Did you ever stop and ponder Abraham's life? God said to Abraham, you know, he's 75, you know, he called him and he ended up in the, what we call the promised land. He said, you know, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation and all nations will be blessed because of you and through you. And we know that Abraham got a little impatient. And, uh, you know, Hagar and him had an affair and Ishmael came along. Abraham thought he figured it out. Huh, your promised son, Ishmael. And we can assume that he lived under the assumption that Ishmael was a promised son until you get to Genesis chapter 17 when he was 99. And God said, uh, now I'm going to give you the promised son through your wife, Sarah. A real radical shift in thinking for him. And then we know that Isaac was born. 25 years lapsed between the promise and the fulfillment. As you study Abraham's life later, it seems like God took his time and built the character of Abraham. And when we think of the people of the Bible also, we think of, you know, these men really did a lot for God. What did Abraham do most of his life? Apparently took care of sheep or animals and managed those who took care of his animals. What great thing did he do for God? I don't know as you can find a lot of great things he did. He wasn't out preaching every day that we know of. That wasn't his occupation. He wasn't in what we call full-time ministry. He just walked with God. Day by day. By faith, when Abram, or Abraham was called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance of bait and wet, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. 
See, one of the lies that we're bombarded with in the secular world, but I think many times from the Christian perspective also, is now, immediately. And God says, be steady. Be consistent. Take care of the ordinary. Discipline your life. Live with Christ as your life. Moment by moment. Whatever you're doing, just the slow, the steady. It's an individual that I know years ago would have come to me and said, Pastor, I have some difficulties. Can you help me? And the individual shared their difficulties. There was sexual abuse. There was spousal abuse. Some terrible things happened to the children, this person's children, by those that were fairly close. Tremendous financial difficulty. And I could go on with another a number of other items. I thought, you know, I'm in no position to help this person. I've never been through any of that. And I don't think their situation is going to ever change. You can't change the things in the past that had happened. Talked a while and listened a lot. Asked a few questions here and there. And I said to the individual, I think the best you can do in light of Scripture is to recognize that you're in this for the balance of your life. You cannot change some of these things. You can try to change some people, but you're not called to change them. You need to choose to rejoice in your trial. Recognize that God is your shepherd. Recognize that Christ is your life. Recognize that in Christ you've been redeemed, you've been forgiven, you've been adopted, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And when you get discouraged, go to Psalm 13. Pray with the individual, and the individual left. It wasn't too many weeks, the individual called and said, Pastor, I'm really struggling, and went over some of the same things and went to some of the Psalms and just encouraged them, you know, got to look to Christ. You can't change others. You can only deal with yourself, and the individual responded. A couple months down the road, you know, individual called again, you know, Pastor, I'm really struggling, really hurting. Nothing's changing. I said, I know nothing's changing, but God is faithful. Your situation isn't going to change now. There's no immediate fix. There's probably no fix on this side of heaven. You're going to have to wait till eternity. But you can rely on God. That individual is still living. And continues just to be faithful in the ordinary.
has long ago given up hope on an immediate fix on the now because can't change a lot of those items. But has developed into a very prosperous person, not financially, but character. Adeptive character that is so precious. One who has time and time again meditated on Scripture and cried out to God and time and time again said, God, I've had it. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw it in, throw the towel in. But we'll come back to the slow, the steady. There's things in our lives that may change. And we can change some things in our life. And if we can, fine, if we're responding in a biblical way. But I think one of the big lies that the enemy brings our way is that there's a fast, quick, easy maturity in Christ. It's day by day, slow and steady, coming back to Christ. And just taking him at his word by faith. Questions or comments before we pray together? So my encouragement, if something's quick and easy, that may be fine. I'm not saying it's wrong, but don't demand it. Be willing to go at the long term for God's glory. Father, we know we have completeness in Christ. You provided the resources we need to live in freedom, to live in humble dependency upon you. But we're constantly bombarded by so many influences in our world to go just for the quick and easy when you cause for the long haul. We struggle sometimes, Father. Sometimes we just want to call it quits. And sometimes we do for a period of time, but you in grace. Call us back to yourself. How encouraging to see Abraham's life. You get tired of waiting. Ishmael came along. And then you come along some years later and say, Abraham, it's not Ishmael. It's going to be a son by your wife, Sarah. You can look at the life of David and he became... at times hard, even though he was willing to wait in your timing. We know that he fled from Saul for years, waiting for you to deal with Saul. Maybe we, may we be like David in that respect. Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. And as we go through those situations that may not change immediately, May we be humbly dependent upon you and allow you to transform our lives. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.